0: Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast. Sick podcast. The eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup-winning Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years, Raymond the sickest NHL podcast. It's gonna be
1: sick. And welcome to another edition of the iTest test on a sick podcast network. I'm Jimmy Murphy. That's Pierre Maguire. We've got another great episode in line for you. The general manager of the defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights will be joining us shortly here on the iTest. test. And that is Kelly McCrimmon looking forward to speaking to him. But Pierre, let's check in with you. Where are you on this fine? What looks like a beautiful day behind you?
2: I'm in Hamilton, New York. I'm at Colgate University. I just interviewed the women's coach here, Greg Fargo, who's an outstanding coach. Their team's a number one seed heading into the ECAC women's playoffs. So had a long interview session with him. I'm heading up to St. Lawrence University tomorrow to interview one of my former players, uh, Chris Wells, who's the women's coach there. And then on Saturday I'll be heading over to Clarkson and look at their magnificent new facility, watch a little men's hockey both at St. Lawrence and Clarkson, and then uh, do a little – women's hockey uh evaluation let's say before the uh, ecac tournament starts
1: and just you know so our viewers and listeners know pierre uh what why are you doing all this ecac research right now
2: uh well i'm besides yeah, your passion. it's my passion for hockey for sure but uh doug christensen the commissioner of the league asked me to uh broadcast the uh, women's and men's frozen four for their league and it's uh an amazing honor it's a league i really respect and uh played in the league, coached in the league, and have a son that plays in the league now. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to do the women's event, and uh, can't wait for that to get going.
1: Good stuff, good stuff, Pierre. But before we get to Kelly McCrimmon and talk a ton of Vegas Golden Knights, uh, just your thoughts on what we saw around the NHL last night, Pierre, and, uh, you know, I think we could uh, start to really see again some teams that just – They need to find that spark within. They just can't seem to do it, and that's the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins right now up here.
2: Well, no, it's fair, and you're not being negative and and picking on them. I mean, New Jersey, we talked about it yesterday. There were three games that really mattered yesterday, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Minnesota lost. They had Mm -hmm. to build off of what they had been doing since the All-Star break, which was playing really well. Then you had New Jersey obviously playing in Washington. They had to win that game or at least get a point out of that game. They weren't able to. And then, obviously, the Islanders go to Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh was able to get a point. They're still on the plus side on the goal differential. They're the only team outside of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference that's got a positive goal differential. So that is positive for them, and they have games in hand. But those games in hand are starting to dwindle, and they're starting to get to that 10-point Mendoza line that I like to use. And once they get to 10 points out with no games in hand, their season is
1: done. I want to go back to Jersey, Pierre, and just, you know, if you're Tom Fitzgerald right now and you just see the way every time his team starts to gain a little momentum, they take a step or two steps back. Do Can you justify going all in at the deadline and and, and making a big, bold move? Uh, like, you know, we've heard, reportedly heard them link to Jacob Markstrom. There was a deal supposedly that fell through at the last minute, but, You know, is it, is it worth giving up what he's going to have to give up in such a trade for a team that really hasn't proven to him that they can sustain the momentum they need heading into the playoff or to get to the playoffs should be the term. Do you, do you pull the trigger on something like that? To think
2: realistically for Tommy and the New Jersey devils, I don't think they can win the Stanley cup this year. And I don't believe you think they can either. Um, so realistically, should you put all your chips in the middle of the table? Probably not, Jimmy. Um, you know, do they need goaltending going forward? They only know that internally because they've got some young – Nico Doss is a good young goalie. Yeah. Kira Schmidt is a good young goalie. Those are good young goalies. They are. Uh, Vitek Vanacek's. I mean, they're good young goalies. The problem is none of them have established themselves, so until they establish themselves, you don't really know. You know, like Kelly McCrimmon's coming on with us, okay? When they got Mark andre Fleury to be the face of their franchise in Vegas – He'd already established himself. They knew exactly what they were getting. In the first year as an expansion team, they went to the Stanley Cup final and Flurry played a major role in that. So right. I, they knew what they were getting. I don't think Tommy knows what he's gonna get from his goalies. And it's not because they're not good, it's because they haven't proven themselves yet. Right.
1: And it's like, okay, so do I wait and let them prove themselves a little more and then address that in the offseason? I it's a it's a dilemma that a lot of GMs are There's, facing. Not what the
2: disappointment, sir. They got Jimmy, they got two big disappointments. We talked about it yesterday. Timo Meyer is a major disappointment. And Tommy paid for him. I mean, they paid a price to get him and they paid a big contract to get him. And then uh, Andre Palat, who I'm a huge fan of and was a really important part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's been underwhelming this year. Mm. Now, he has been part of that, but he's been underwhelming. Now, has he been better than Timo Meyer? It can be argued. Yes, he is, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on the plus minus side. But Again, those two guys were brought in as more veteran type players to help those younger players that really hadn't had a lot of experience in New Jersey, like Dawson Mercer, like Jack Hughes, um, you know, like Nico Heischer, uh, like Jesper Brat. They haven't had a lot of those guys around, so they bring in guys that have experienced major playoff success, and those are the guys that have been underwhelming so far.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And maybe they need more of those guys. Maybe they need to look at some of those guys on defense. Uh, Pierre, I think would be a key for Tommy Fitzgerald in the offseason. But to Pittsburgh, I'm not sure if you saw Pierre, but Kyle Dubas addressed the media today. Uh, he openly admitted that he is he's taking calls on anyone except the core players, you know, the Latangs, the Carlsons. Well, I, I don't know if I'd call Carlson a core, but I'm sure he does. Um, uh, you know, Crosby and Malkin. But other than that, it's they're open for business, Pierre. And he, he's he's sending the signals out to all the teams right now. And, you know, based on what I read, he he seems like he's starting to accept, you know, the, the harsh reality of what you said. Yes, they've got those games in hand. Yes, they've got a plus goal differential. But the likelihood of them pulling us off is getting slimmer and slimmer. And, you know... I don't agree with everything. I'll be straight up and I have to tell you this off the phone. I'll tell you it on the record here. I don't agree with a lot of what Kyle Dubas has done both in Toronto and Pittsburgh. However, if, if he's sincere in what he said today, I at least think that's a good step in the right direction for the future of the Penguins, because he is actually accepting the reality of the situation.
2: That's great. Everything you said is spot on. Here's a big problem. Pittsburgh is a hard town. Mm -hmm. And, Those are passionate hockey people in a very sophisticated hockey market. You better make sure if you're open for business that if you trade away a key player, that you get the right compensation for that player, Jimmy. Because if you do not, you're taking a huge step backwards. This is an organization over the last five to six years, hasn't drafted very well because they've tried to stay relevant in their pursuit of winning the Stanley cup. Now they're in between two different ownership groups which is a little bit different too. Um, they've had you know, Ronnie Hextall as a manager there. They've had Jimmy Rutherford as a GM there. Now they're on their third general manager in less than five years. So you start to do the numbers. They better make sure this year, their third general manager, Kyle Dubas, that he identifies correctly the proper players to trade and what their actual value is around the league because they're not really maxing out with prospects right now.
1: No, it's a great point. And I think one of those guys, he's going to have to max the value out more and more. It seems like Jake Gensel, Um, not that, you know, I, I would love to see him stay in Pittsburgh. I think him and Crosby have been great together. I think he's a good fit there, but at the same time, I think he's pricing himself out of there and they're going to have to, you know, move on from him soon. He better hope he gets the right type of deal. And I got to ask you, Pierre, when you have a situation like that, okay, in Pittsburgh, or any anyone who's got a an impending free agent like that, who you know is a super good player, right? But is it harder to get? And this may be a rhetorical question to some. I hope it's not a bad question. But I, is it harder to get proper value for him knowing that there's a good chance that he's going to market?
2: Well, it depends on who the purchaser is, mm-hmm. and it depends on how urgent they need that player, and it depends on if there's a relationship between the agent representing Jake Gensel and the general manager who's acquiring Jake Gensel. And can they get a deal done before, you know, he goes potentially goes to market on July 1st. So that there's a lot of moving parts. It's a very fair question. It's a good question. It's an honorable question, but you also have to have honor when you answer it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different things that are in play here. Um, you know, to me, I wouldn't be doing that kind of a deal for that player unless I knew there was a relationship with the agent and we could get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part is maybe Kyle can sit with the agent and say, Sidney Crosby really wants Jake to stay. We're not asking him to take a huge haircut, but he's not going to get uh, William Nylander's money. Yeah. And Jimmy, we, I believe we were the first people yep. to talk about this. Yeah. The, as soon as Nylander got his deal, we brought it up on the eye right. test. Yep. And that's going to be if. That's going to be the comparable because yes. the numbers are the same. It's They're the same. Reviews. Yep. And so, can they afford to pay him eleven million dollars? Sidney Crosby makes eight and a half million.
1: Mm.
2: Eric Carlson makes over eleven million dollars a year. Sidney Crosby's way under market value for Sidney Crosby. He really is, but he <laughs> took, he did the Tom Brady. He took the haircut right to keep the players around him good. Yeah, because that's a. You know, I was talking to a really, really good hockey person today when I was driving up here from Boston. And he he made a point to me that I thought was really refreshing about Sidney. And he said, you know what Sidney Crosby is? He's pure hockey. That's his terminology. I thought it was such a strong, good, um, clear statement about a player that cares about winning, cares about the city he plays in, cares about uh, helping the players around him. Wanting to be the very best he can be, he's a pure hockey player. He's he's like Gordie Howe, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that sacrifices for the well being of the team and then wants to win. Like that's yeah. what he. It's just amazing that Sidney's going through this now. Realistically, are the Penguins going to win a cup in his lifetime as a player? I don't think so.
1: No, I, I just it's interesting. And then the other thing you got to wonder, Pierre, too. Uh, these players seeing that the cap's going to go up and the potential that they could strike even richer on the free agent market, how much does that prevent teams from being able to extend them, whether it's an acquiring team or the present team?
2: Well, I think that's a great question. And the way you phrased it was awesome. But here's the way I would look at that. Depends on the player, the agent, the situation that they're in. Um, Let's say say you're a player that's got a chance to go to market. And let's say the team that you're on right now is going through a rebuild chances are you're going to pick a team wanting to win and pay you the money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to want to stay in the rebuild unless you really like that city and like the owner and like the management people or you're a player that is in a tremendous situation and you got a chance to win four of the next or six of the next 8 years. You may want to give them a discount to stay cuz you like it so much and you know you got a realistic chance to win. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. One thing I do know the most creative, the most fearless, uh, the most focused managers, they usually don't have a problem dealing with that. And that's why I'm so excited we have Kelly on today because Kelly's we not got afraid him. of doing that stuff.
1: And, and here we are. He's joining us right now. The general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions, Kelly McCrimmon, joining us here on the iTest test on the sick podcast network. Kelly, we got you.
0: Uh, yeah, we do. Can you see me? I can't
1: see you, which, which stinks because, you know, we, we want to see your handsome face, but uh, yeah, well, I, your voice uh, will do. <laughs> well, your voice well, will well. do.
0: I don't see where my camera is off, guys. Sorry about that. Interesting. But, uh, no
1: worries. Well, we can hear you fine, Kelly. Don't worry about it. I got Pierre Maguire me okay. here as well. Hi, guys. Hey. hey how are you doing? Uh, Kelly, um, let's get right into it. We're just talking here and I – I don't know if you heard us when you're coming on, but just talking about the balancing act that is being an NHL journal manager in the salary cap era, and now also with the cap going up, how much that can affect things. Um what's the approach you took early on and maybe who were some some mentors or or people that helped you uh find that happy balance that you use now
0: well it's uh, been made tougher with the uh, the pandemic and the and the flat cap so the challenges that general managers dealt with uh you know ever since the uh, the system changed in the national hockey league uh you know changed again with uh with the flat cap because It's not about what it does to you necessarily in free agency. You have younger players that uh, come off of entry-level contracts. They're RFAs, sometimes without arbitration rights, sometimes with arbitration rights. They're younger players that you really want to uh, keep in your organization, but they've earned a reward. So I know two summers ago, I'm going off the top of my head, we had... Uh, Nick Hague, Nick Waugh, Zach Whitecloud, Keegan Colasar. Uh, uh, there were others, uh, Paul Cotter, Logan Thompson, that were all all coming off of uh, entry-level deals. And mm-hmm. those were really important players to our team. They all deserved uh, more money and uh, they all got raises. They were uh, integral part of our uh, championship team, the players that uh, were, you know, slotted in on our uh salary cap and our hockey team in, in those positions but it meant making some hard decisions on existing players and mm-hmm. that's where uh, i i think that uh it's the hardest for uh for a manager because you know we're we're, we're like the fans we'd like to keep all those players but uh just the realities of the of the salary cap that you could not do that so that led to lots of hard decisions in our organization uh and 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 yet how we handled those decisions, I think, helped us, helped us get to where we wanted to go. I would agree, Pierre.
2: Kelly, why are you so guys so good in Vegas at identifying character? I'll give you a case in point. The other day, Mason Morelli scores his first goal, 27-year-old guy. Michael Amadio, you bring him in. Ivan Barbashev, you bring him in. Keegan Colasar, you bring him in. You keep Will Carrier. I can go on and on. Chandler Stevenson coming over. You know him from the Western Hockey League. Why are you guys so good in Vegas at identifying really good depth and character players?
0: Well, it was one of the, uh, you know, real mandates or criteria we used uh, in expansion. So when you go back now, uh, you know, everyone – this is our seventh hockey season organizationally. It's our eighth season because that first year was where we uh scouted and prepared for uh for the expansion draft it was a real criteria for us uh you know right from uh day one and you could see with that first year team uh that the character was a big part of uh why that team overachieved uh the way that it did and it's really been you know sort of a part of the template uh ever since we've got a lot of uh, North American players on our team. We've got a lot of Canadian players on our team. I think that our, uh, scouting staff, our management, uh, one of the things that I felt is we had a uh, great history on the people that we brought into the organization. And, and I think that, uh, we bet on the right people, which, uh, which is really, really important.
2: So Kelly, one other thing, or one, this is just a minor thing. How important is the eye test when you look at players?
0: Well, it, it, to me, um, you know, when, when I go back to that year one, I, I maintain to this day that one of the best uh, things this organization did was the people that we hired. So that's our uh, amateur scouting staff under Bob Lowe's. That's our pro scouting staff under Von Karpen. Uh, those guys are, uh, you know, for me, the best in the business at what uh, they do and not just those two gentlemen individually, but their staffs. So we're gonna take advantage of their skills and rely on uh, their experience, their success in identifying uh, players along the way. But we do uh, look at every transaction we make analytically. We've got uh, really good people in place there. So, you know, where where we, you know, the, the people are in the field, they're doing the work. Our guys work extremely hard. They're doing the reports. That's where it begins. Then we uh then we look at uh, where guys are uh, analytically and see what see if we can marry the two. That's uh, that's really how we make uh our player acquisition decisions. That's how we make our decisions on contract
2: extensions, that type of thing. Jimmy, you know what's cool about his answer just now? Both those guys are talking about Lowe's and Carpin. They're both Western Canadians. I wonder how Kelly would have a soft spot and it's hard for them.
0: <laughs> well, you can you can go one step further, Pierre, which uh uh, if you took the DNA of our entire staff, a lot of a lot of paths go through Brandon. Which is, I, uh, I,
2: I'm, don't worry, I'm aware, Kelly. I'm just. Yeah, where, uh, <laughs> was
0: coach for me for nine years, and Vaughn Car- Carpen was a not only a former Brandon Wheat King, but also a University of Brandon Bobcat under uh, under Andy Murray uh, on some real good university teams. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good stuff. One of our re, uh, one of our commenters saying right now, Kelly, uh, tell him that I went to every week King's practice from 2011 to 2017, and I I designed every one of my practices from Kelly's book. He's one great man. So there you go. That's no, uh, a real honor. Thank you. Yeah,
2: thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. See that? That's, that's what I love know. about this.
1: That's yeah. You know. That's great stuff. Good stuff, Kelly. Um, I know. I know. Pierre does want to get into a little of your background and a bit sure. before he does, though. Just two quick questions I have for you. Any updates you can provide on Mark Stone or Jack Eichel right now, or status quo?
0: Well, Mark was injured last night uh, in uh, late in the second. Didn't play uh, the third. He's getting tests this morning. He's going to be out of our lineup uh, for a while, mm-hmm. is what I could tell you right now. Jack's rehab has. Uh, has gone um you know on time I, I guess would be the easiest way to say it he's not uh he's not far off he's not ready to go right now but he'll he'll be uh playing in the not too distant future um you know will carrier another player that's been out of our lineup for a significant stretch uh should be back uh not too uh, not too far into the future as well and then we were really happy uh, to put shay theodore uh into our lineup last night i think he missed 36 or 37 games and he's uh, such a mobile uh, two-way player that he really uh, changes the makeup of our team. So it's interesting. Uh, last night we played the six defensemen that uh, we won the Stanley Cup with. So that's mm-hmm. uh, Martinez, Pertangelo, McNabb, Theodore, uh, Hague, and Whitecloud. It's the second time this season those six D uh, wow. have played. So that's the type of injuries that we've dealt with. Uh, on our back end. And then of course, uh, Aiden Hill missed uh, 22 games. Jack Eichel is going to be in excess of six weeks. William Carlson uh, was six weeks. We've had uh, Ben Hutton was six weeks. Caden Korzak was six weeks. We've really been hit with with injuries. And of course, uh, Mark Stone here uh, last night, we'll see what that timeline looks like. But uh, that's been a real challenge for our team and credit to, Bruce Cassidy and our uh, coaching staff—they've—they've uh, they've kept us in the mix. Credit to uh, our American League affiliate in Henderson with uh, Tim Speltz and Ryan Craig. Uh, we've yep. got—we're uh, going on the road on uh, Friday. We're taking five players uh, from Henderson on our uh, on our trip. So that's the, the value of an American League team.
1: Of course, Pierre. Um, let's go down memory lane. Well, before we do that,
2: though, I just—I just wanted to ask Kelly about. Free agency can work sometimes, and other times it doesn't work very well. You guys hit one of the greatest free agency home runs I've ever seen with Alex Patrangelo. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine what that conversation was like with the folks from Newport Sports when you finally put pen to paper and got him signed. How did you recruit him? What would you
0: do? Well, that was probably, uh, when you look at sort of, you know, real key moments in the franchise's uh, history, that mm-hmm. certainly – one of them, I still always look at the acquisition of Mark Stone uh, from Ottawa as being, you know, a real significant moment in our in our history. Alex recently played his 1,000th game uh, in the National Hockey League, so it, it it part of that is I gave some thought as to sort of how it came together, Pierre, uh, to the question that you're asking. He had been a Stanley Cup captain uh, with the championship team in St. Louis in 2019. Uh, his contract was expiring. They weren't able to uh, get together on what an extension uh, would look like, and it was a pretty bold move by uh, by Petro and uh, and his wife Janie. And uh, you know, at that time, uh, well, still four small, four small, four small children. Uh, so yeah, for uh, for him to make the commitment to come here, I think he really believed we were doing everything that we could uh, to win. He wanted to be uh, part of that, and. You know, we uh, had been to, I think, three Final Fours in five years when we uh, when we got Alex, and uh, you could tell that those championship teams had that uh, had that defenseman, and uh, you know, it was uh, headman, it was uh, you know Alex himself in uh, in St. Louis. You know, you need uh, you need that D one uh, for me to give yourself a chance to be a champion. That was uh, the team's motivation, our motivation in uh, in trying to. Uh, bring Alex uh, into Las Vegas, and and I think that it proved, uh, you know, instrumental in our uh, team winning. And it's so, you know, I said it to him that night. Alex Petrangelo is so much more than a hockey player. He is uh, such such a fantastic person. I think he's a, a role model for our young players. Uh, how he is as a husband, how he is uh, as a father. Uh, you know, John Stevens has stood behind the bench of a lot of uh, really good NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Worked a lot of really high end NHL. Uh, defenseman, when you you know when you look at uh, two Stanley Cups with a Drew Doughty or uh, Miro Heiskanen when he was in uh, in Dallas, and uh, he's just amazed by the the calmness that uh, Petro brings uh, to our blue line, and uh, he's he's a really really good player and he's a tremendous person. So that's uh, that's what he's meant uh, to us, and and then uh, uh, you know for me, Jack Heichel was the same thing in terms of that first-line center that you have to mm-hmm. have to be uh, to be a champion. So those were uh, really key additions for our, for our team.
2: Speaking of additions, you played in the Saskatchewan Junior League, you played in the Western Hockey League with Brandon, and then all of a sudden you go to the University of Michigan when the rules were different. What would you say now if they allowed major junior hockey players to eventually play U.S. college hockey like you did?
0: Well, I think it would be uh, – uh, potentially really good for everybody involved here if uh, if handled the right way there's been rumblings in the past and and yet i don't think there was ever full alignment these are uh, you know institutions where there's uh, a lot of red tape to work through to get to where uh, you need to be in terms of working for everyone ideally everyone would have Uh, their opportunity at the same player just at a different time. And I think it could be really uh, positive for players. I think it could be positive for uh, major junior hockey. And I think it could really uh, be positive for NCAA hockey as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how it works out. I uh, always felt extremely fortunate. You mentioned that the rules uh, changed the last year. There was two major junior players that went to uh, Division I college that year, myself at University of Michigan. And Newell Brown, who came from, uh, I believe, the Cornwall Michigan Royals, yeah. and went to uh, went to Michigan State, and of course, Newell's still uh, involved in the, the game today. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, two weeks ago, I went to uh, a game at Yost uh, Yost Ice Arena uh, between Michigan State and Michigan, and it was the first time I'd been back uh, in Yost Arena since I played. So it was really kind of cool because it's the same bones, the building, it's, uh, it's Yost Ice Arena and yet, obviously completely, uh, completely redone, uh, in every way, but it was kind of a neat moment to, uh, to go back in there. So uh, more specific to your question, you know, both, both, uh, avenues for me, I felt extremely fortunate that I got to do both and, uh, found, uh, found them both were very worthwhile. Obviously I worked in major junior hockey for, uh, for 27 years. So I uh, I believe in, in the development path that comes with, uh, you know, the WHL, the Ontario League, and, of course, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League.
2: Jimmy, I got to ask Kelly this one because it's right in his backyard. There's a kid from uh, Manitoba, actually from Winnipeg, who went to the University of North Dakota. He ended up being a first-round pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. He ended up being a captain there. How heartbroken, and I know you'll tell the truth, were the guys in the Western Hockey League when Jonathan Taves decided to go to college rather than go in the Western Hockey League?
0: Well, Jonathan's such a good player, great family. We actually had Jonathan's younger brother, uh, David, with the Wheat Kings for uh, a couple of years, so I know know the people. And, uh, yeah, I I believe, Pierre, you've been around the game your whole life. Uh, For me, there's uh, a handful of players that, uh, are going to be uh, going to be superstars regardless of the path they choose. I think for uh, the Taves family, uh, Grand Forks was uh, two, or two hours up the road, real successful uh, program there. He'd been to Shattuck previously. So you've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, some influences there that I think would have made North, North, North Dakota uh, attractive for him. And uh, yeah, it would be a, a real blow to the Western hockey league, not to get Jonathan Taves, I guess, uh, you know, the flip side is when you look at what a Connor Bedard did for the WHL and his, uh, mm-hmm. you know, two seasons, two yeah. seasons plus, uh, there, those are, those are players that you're so proud of. And you know, what? one of the just fantastic things about hockey, not to hop up on the stump, but <laughs> our, our superstars over, over decades have just always been such good people and such good ambassadors
1: yeah.
0: uh, of the game. So Jonathan Taves, clearly, uh, <clears throat> one of those people, Connor Bedard looks, uh, it uh, just looks like he does everything right, not only in terms of how he plays the game, but how he uh, how he treats the people around him. You know, mm-hmm. Sid, Mario, you know, go back to Bobby Orr. You've got Wayne Gretzky, uh, just uh, Connor McDavid. The, the game has been blessed that those uh, superstars uh, understand how uh, important they are to the game of
1: hockey. Good stuff. I, I want to ask you, uh, Kelly, just um, when you brought Bruce Cassidy in, what were you looking for from him, for the team at that time in that moment and and how much did he meet those expectations? I mean, obviously a lot, you won the cup, but just specific stuff that you saw him do that said, I knew this guy could do that.
0: Yeah. The second part of the question is, is easy to answer. Uh, we, uh, we got to where we wanted to go. So that was a tremendous accomplishment that had his fingerprints, uh, all over it. Uh, I didn't know Bruce, uh, previously, but I had kind of, uh, really been impressed with his work from afar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had, had failed as a young head coach in the national hockey league. It's interesting. If you look what he did from that time till the time he became a head coach oh. uh, again. And then, uh, you know, there's some, it, it's, it's meaningful when a guy, I think Bruce was in the Boston organization, maybe 14 years. Mm-hmm. and uh you know, that, that, that tells you something, I think about the person and, uh, you know, he, he the, the, in terms of what I was looking for, we, we needed to be held more accountable, I felt. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Bruce, uh, really did that. There's a, there's a feeling out process where, you know, we had a veteran team and, uh, you know, it was interesting of all of the off seasons, uh, you know, the summer, uh, where we hired Bruce was likely, uh, one of the least active that we had, we made what uh, people at the time thought was a minor trade for uh, Aiden Hill. Yeah. And we uh, we brought in Phil Kessel as a, as a free agent. And, you know, that was uh, the only changes that we made to our team. The year previous, we missed the playoffs. Uh, with all of the man games lost to, uh, mm-hmm. to injury, it was just uh, uh, we couldn't overcome it. But in terms of the makeup of our team, we felt, we liked our team. We felt, uh, we felt pretty strongly about what we had in terms of the roster. So Bruce was, uh, you know, the right coach at the right time. I think he uh, did a really good job with, uh, keeping our guys accountable. And, and, uh, you know, we changed how we played defensively, which I think, you know, once we made that adjustment, I think it lined up well with, uh, our personnel, uh, you know, the, the, the one thing, I've been asked this question quite a few times, but the one thing I always include in my answer was we also brought in John Stevens and John Burke. Mm. And uh, those, uh, those guys, if, uh, if they aren't best in class, they're uh, certainly uh, among the best in class. So that really revamped our coaching staff, not just uh, not just with Bruce coming in, but also John and Sean and then, uh, you know, Ryan Craig and Misha Donskov who had been with the organization since, uh, since day one. Uh, rounded out our, uh, our coaching staff. So uh, yeah, they pushed all the right buttons and uh, you know, the big thing last year and and we're uh, we we never failed to recognize it is we stayed healthy at playoff time
1: and Mm -hmm. uh, and
0: that really allowed our depth uh, to carry us. We, uh, we felt that uh, our four lines and our six D uh, could be trusted, you know, any, any situation in a game. And that really uh, I thought uh, uh, carried us.
1: Yeah. And you tell Bruce too, for me, I say, hello, he was, I got to cover him through his time here in Boston where I am uh, covering the Bruins. And, you know, you, you mentioned it, he holds people accountable, but he's fair. And he was even that way with us with the media, Kelly. And um, he was, a, he was a pleasure to deal with a uh, great hockey guy, you know, loved when the mics would go off, would just sit there and we'd just talk hockey and life. And, um, you know, he, he's definitely missed here. So you, you got a good one there. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, we sure did. And uh, as, as you mentioned, not just uh, the coaching, he's a real uh, real good person. He's fantastic with uh, the media, insightful, thoughtful, really explains things. And I think, uh, uh, you know, does all the things that you want, uh, you know, a leader in your organization to do.
2: You know, what's interesting, Kelly, you're talking about Johnny Stevens, a player I had the privilege of coaching in Hartford when your late brother, Brad was playing for us. And, uh, you know, Johnny was a tremendous hockey IQ player. Uh, his IQ was off the charts actually with hockey, but I don't think anything in comparison to your brother, Brad. And I don't know how familiar you are. I don't know if Brad ever told you this story, but I couldn't wait to tell it to you. I've never really had the chance to, we were skating around one day at the morning skate and it was early in the season. And, uh, we had just drafted Chris Pronger and I went to Brad and, I said, Brad, you know, I know you, you worked with Raymond Bork and I know you worked with Mark Howe, and I know you worked with Al McInnes and pretty sure you worked with Nicky Lidstrom, too. You think you could help Chris Pronger become a, an NHL player and a better player? And I said, I know this is going to really drive me nuts. Could you be his roommate on the road? Because I know you get your own room. <laughs> he actually said to me, that's not a problem. I look forward to that. I'll make sure he's hit on time. He was the most The Beast, your brother, was the most amazing man when it came to that. He was the ultimate team guy. And I'm sure it came a lot of hours, Foreman, with your family. But I'll just tell you what. Well, you know, you talked about all the great players in this league and all the great gentlemen in this league, Kelly. Uh, you know, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of those guys who you named. I don't know if there's been anybody that's got a bigger heart or a bigger soul or a bigger commitment to mankind than your late brother. Brad was just an amazing guy. You have any good stories about growing up with him on the farm?
0: (laughs) Well, I got all kinds of stories. I actually uh, (laughs) ran into Lindsay Carson, an old uh, flyer name, and Scott Bellenby last night after our game. And uh, uh, Lindsay was uh, Brad's roommate. And you're mentioning Chris Pronger on the road. you mentioned Chris Pronger being Brad's roommate on the road. He would have got used to uh, a cold dark room that's uh <laughs> that's what rules in uh, with uh, with his roommate but no i think uh i really appreciate your comments uh pierre and uh you know some of those people that you mentioned have uh you know shared with me you know since uh, how helpful uh he was to them and uh you know he had so many admirable traits and uh you know in that in that era when you know growing up on the farm i mean the world was so different. It was pretty small uh, for Brad and I. We farmed, we played hockey, we fought every day, uh, just uh, just steady. And we were always outside. I think our mom could only take so much of us inside. <laughs> and uh, that's just how we grew up. We just never, you know, when you, when you just don't know any different, right? That's just uh, sort of the way uh, that you evolve and you grow. And, and you know, obviously today it's uh, so much different because the world's so much more uh, connected. But uh we uh we loved farming both of us and uh, you know always envisioned that we would farm and uh and then of course uh Brad had a long uh career then uh, then a coaching career and I ended up uh, with an opportunity to work uh, in Brandon and and that's uh that's the way that it played out so we were both pretty lucky we got to do what we loved
1: good stuff good stuff well listen Kelly I know you're a busy man and uh <laughs> there's a little thing coming up 2 weeks from Friday that's yeah. going to keep you busy so yeah. We will let you go, and we really appreciate you taking the time here on the eye test. Uh, It's really been a pleasure, and um, we'll talk to you down the road, eh?
0: You bet. Thanks, guys. Anytime.
1: All right. That's Kelly McCrimmon joining us here on the eye test on the Sick Podcast Network, and good guy, good man. You can just tell. I didn't know his brother, Pierre, but I know how much he meant to you, and um, um, those are kind words you said there.
2: Well, I miss him every day. Um, I'll never forget when I heard about the plane crash, um, in Yaroslavl, um, you know, Pavel Dimitri was on that plane too. There were a lot of guys that I knew on that plane. Um, but the last time I saw Brad was after Detroit played San Jose, uh, in the playoffs and we were talking in the hallway and I said, so what's, what do you got going on? And he said, uh, I'm going to go overseas. I'm taking a job overseas. I said, really? He said, yep, yep. It's uh, it's really a great opportunity for me and, and for my family. I uh, said, okay. Um, and now I was sitting in my office in Montreal when I was working at TSN, and I was getting ready to go on the road. I think I was going to Vancouver Edmonton. I forget. I was going out west. And they came on with a breaking news report yeah. about the plane crash in Yaroslavl. To this day, I still can't believe that happened. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't kidding around when I told that story. I remember skating with Brad so much and talking to him. And even when our team wasn't playing well, he was so positive. He was was an amazing conduit from the management to the coaching staff to the players. Every team needs that. He was a true leader and champion. He wasn't just a, a really good player. He was as strong a man as you'd ever meet. He was just mm-hmm. a powerful, strong man. But it's the way he conducted his business. He was the first guy at the rink. He was the last guy out. He was always making sure he was looking after his injuries so that, you know, he wasn't beaten down. He was just pro's pro. He really was. And, and what I guess really stood out to me was he cared about even the, the underdog that got called up from the minors with getting one shot to play. Mm-hmm. He always was there for that person. He truly a great person. And that story was amazing. He, I said to him, I said, could you look after Chris Pronger?" He goes, well, he, and he was saying a kind of tie in cheek. I did take care of Raymond Bork. I looked after <laughs> Mark Al. I know I broke in Al McInnes and I want a Stanley Cup with him. And you know, this guy Lidstrom, like I broke him in too. So I think I can break in Pronger. It was, it was just so funny the way he said it on the ice and I think people are probably looking at us both laughing our tails off, skating around the edge going, What's wrong with those two idiots? It was it was great. I just so much time and and fond, fond memories of, of Brad. His nickname was The Beast, um, as strong a man as I've ever met, and probably the hairiest guy I've ever seen. Too. He, was, <laughs> he, he was he was great. I just sure. uh, miss your day, and I'm I'm sure Kelly does as well.
1: Yeah, I remember too, I was uh I think it was just as training camp was starting. No period when that happened, it was like September. It was, right? it, was early, yeah. it was early. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early. And uh, I remember Joe Haggerty was picking me up. We were driving up to Wilmington Mass and uh, we just saw it as I was walking out the door and it was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah and I, I met him a couple times. I didn't know him. I can't didn't know him really, but I met him a couple of times. Always enjoyed talking to him. Yep. Um, yep. good stuff. Uh, rest in peace. But that hey, that was a great interview there. Good news Thank there. God. Uh it sounds like on ICO. Uh, for the Penguins, that'll be huge, but not so great news on Mark Stone.
2: But you did you hear how important character was?
1: Yeah, yeah. that Whatever. was
2: and and internal knowledge. So if you look at most of the people that are working there, and most of the people that are drafted there, and most of the people that are free agents signed there, they have one tie-in. They're Western Hockey Leaguers. Kelly is an expert on the Western Hockey League. Yep. You know they knew they knew Zach Whitecloud and and not to you know throw stones at anybody the la kings had zach white cloud in a development camp they did Mm -hmm. they did he's a free agent and they they didn't sign him he goes to bemidji Uh, vegas signs him yeah (laughs) one of their biggest rivals you know (laughs) because kelly knew him yeah kelly knew him and that's just one example. Keegan Colasart wasn't drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, I can go down the line. Yeah. Look, 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 Michael Amadio, now he's he's an Ontario League guy, but still, look, look at He played in LA. I mean, character matters so much for that team. Yeah. And I loved what he said. He said, that was one of our organizational philosophies when we started.
1: Yep. And that's why they've been so successful. And, you know, Pierre, I'm going to bring it up now. We've been meaning to do this, but we'll start it now. Uh, our, our good friend there, uh, Bob Borgen, has been uh, delivering us some this Dayton hockey history. And wouldn't you know, Pierre, that on February 21st, this day in 2018, the Vegas Golden Knights set an NHL record for most points by a team in its inaugural season with 22 games left in a season when their 7-3 win over the Calgary Flames gave them 84 points on the year They also set an NHL record with their 23rd home win in that game.
2: By the way, we're going to do this every day with Bob Morgan's handiwork. He is hes – first of all, he was an amazing TV personality behind the scenes, an unbelievably professional man. Uh, Anytime you went to L.A., and if you didn't talk to him about hockey or the L.A. Kings, you were making a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, And just a legend in in our business, in the media business – um, and he's got this amazing profile of all these different things around hockey, and I can't wait for us to share them every day going forward with our yeah I'm our listeners through. and our viewers. It's fantastic; it really is fantastic. And, and he he does filmmaking as well, Pierre. He does everything. Wow. His late wife, his late wife, was one of the stars of MASH. Oh wow! She just, she just passed away. Okay. Um, and so yeah, um, you know, I just. Bob Bob's an awesome person and a tremendous hockey person.
1: Tremendous. Well, hockey I, I look forward to meeting him. We'll have to uh, next time I'm in L.A. visiting my buddy, Jay Batten. We'll have to all get together. Jay's a good hockey guy as well. And yep. uh, he runs if you're ever in L.A. And I'm going to give him a little plug here. Uh, he has the best pizza in L.A. It's called Garage Pizza Pierre. It's in uh, Silver Lake, right in Hollywood there. Check it out, and you tell them that uh, Jimmy Murphy sent you. They'll treat you like a king.
2: Well, no, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm not going. Well, by let's, go yeah. let's go together.
1: Yeah, together exactly. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Pierre. Hey, what do you say? Let's open it up to the questions. Uh, and I see a lot of people just loving that interview. A lot of connections in our comment section. People that knew uh, Kelly McCrimmon and have ties to him. No, whether it was as a Flames fan or Shane Oliver knowing him in Brandon. Uh, lots of high praise for Kelly there. It's great to see. So let's uh, let's open up the questions. All right, Jeffrey B. asks, is it possible New Jersey regrets moving on from Blackwood too early? Eh. I don't think he was that much better than Vanacek, to be o- honest. Um, and I think, like Pierre said, I think Pierre made a great point. They've got great young goalies there. And Schmeade, you know, right now, it, like – I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't think it was a mistake in Dawes. You know, I I, I think they kind of just said that these guys show more potential right now. I think I don't think Blackwood. Let me put it this way, up here And I think you'd agree with me. I don't think Blackwood had truly established himself as a starter, or even really a one B yet. I, I think he had good no, moments. No,
2: you're, you're spot. No, you're
1: spot yeah. on. I, I agree. Not enough to on. keep him. Yeah. yeah. I, so I think that's where they were. All right. Yeah. Next question. Alex, else, Jimmy, you're around Boston. You know, ooh, love this question. You know how, Pierre and I talk about this nonstop. You know how upset Boston fans are with John Henry and FSG. Liverpool fans too, by the way. Uh, why should the Penguins feel any better about their situation going forward? Pierre, you know my opinion, but I'll tell our listeners and viewers it now. They shouldn't. Uh, what I've seen with FSG and specifically with John Henry in the last five years is him going off and buying what I like to just call toys. He's got a ton of money. He goes around, he buys a team, he buys a a racing team, he buys the Liverpool, buys the Penguins. He dabbles with it for a little, and then he he just moves on to the next one. And now, of course, he's getting into LIV golf. Uh, That's his big thing now. So, yeah, I, I, if I'm Penguins fans, I'd be very worried about the absentee ownership that you have right now because I've seen it firsthand with the Red Sox, and, of course, I'm a huge Liverpool fan, and it's the same things happen there as well.
2: Yeah, I'm not prepared to go as strongly as Jimmy did, but here's what I would say is there's a lot of
1: – on Kyle Dubas.
2: Kyle Dubas came in there as a can't-miss kid, and he's, he got paid unbelievably well for a very long amount of time, unless ownership decides to change that, um, there's significant pressure because he's going to have to do something he never had to do in Toronto, and that's build a team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He, he has to build a team now. Um, most of the assets were in Toronto when he got there. Yep. Now he has to build a team, and it's a team that doesn't have a lot of assets. So the, I, I'm not sure this is about ownership right now. I think this is more about
1: that's a good point. Over
2: management and having the horsepower in the managerial suite to get the rebuild done properly. Cause it's yep. not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy.
1: Well, Pierre, I mean, look, and I know it wasn't a rebuild. It was an expansion. It was a build from the start, but everything we just discussed with Kelly and everything you said afterwards about getting the right people in place, the getting a general concept, a general theme of what you're looking for in players and making it, you know, universal across the board with your scouts, your management, your hockey ops, what have you, that's where he's got to start. And he's got to get that foundation, that infrastructure in place before he can begin this retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that's, that's something that I don't, I don't know. I'm not behind the scenes. Maybe I'm in, I'm incorrect. I'm just saying what I see from afar. It doesn't look like he has, that infrastructure completely set up yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that in the offseason.
2: No, you're not wrong. You're allowed to have that opinion. Um, I like the fact that you have strong opinions. I would just say, again, I think ownership was told we're not that far away from winning the cup with this older group, and when we do, that'll be it. We'll have to disband. But if you were really being honest about it, Mm -hmm. and I don't know who would have told them that, but if you're really being honest about it, that team's really far away from winning the Cup.
1: And they have been here.
2: They didn't make the playoffs last year. I don't know how anybody thought it was going to be better this year with Detroit being better, Buffalo should have been better, Ottawa should have been better. You know, nobody counted on Philadelphia to be where they are. Nobody did. Nobody
1: did. That threw a monkey wrench, eh? Come on.
2: So you look at it, Pittsburgh had their chance this year to be better because Ottawa and Buffalo, especially for the wild card, they weren't supposed. They were supposed to be way better, way better, and they're not. Even Jersey,
1: even Jersey is supposed, supposed be to be
2: better. You know, a top three team in the in the Metro, and they hadn't been. So, you know, they had their opportunity. For, and again, it's too early to close the door on them because they have games in hand and their goal differentials are positive. But they're starting to lose traction, and if this continues, they're going to be in big problem before the the end of next week. They will be.
1: Let me ask you something, Pierre, whether it's you or whether it's someone you know who's been in a position that maybe Dubis finds himself in right now, and you don't have to name names. I'm just – we'll just do a hypothetical of how you would handle it. So you're there, and you know. You just painted the, the picture right now. You painted the harsh reality that is the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. So you're the GM. You're meeting with ownership at the end of this year. Let's just say, for argument's sake, they don't make the playoffs, just hypothetically speaking and you're meeting with him, and he says, all right, tell me the state of our team. How hard is it to give that cold, hard truth? Knowing that, now I don't think in Dubas' case, it's going to cost him his job. In another GM's case, I'm sure it has been a situation like that where the GM's job was in danger. How hard is it to just be real with an owner?
2: It depends on the amount of character you have as a person. You Know if you're really worried about I know what you company, would
1: do, but I'm just saying in general know, but
2: it depends on it depends on you know the character that you have and, and the experience that you have in the business and the relationship you have with the owner. Um the best guys I know would not have a problem just saying we're not good enough. You know, the stories I heard in Ottawa that were so great were about the late Brian Murray. I heard some awesome stories when I went to work there, and one of them was He was completely realistic with the owner. eh? And when when the owner would get really mad at him, he'd say, no, this is where it is. And this is what's going to happen. So we got to be prepared for that. So I've always admired uh, the late Brian Murray for that. He always was a stand-up guy that way. Um, And I don't know if there are enough guys in the business that are like that. Now, Kelly McCrimmon's one of them. I'll tell you that right now. George McPhee is another one of them. Uh, Ray Sherrill was another one of them when he was running an NHL team. Mm Um, so I think there are guys out there that are like that. I really do. Um, I think Dean Lombardi was like that when he was in LA. I really oh, do. We should so, get you know, him on a show. Talking about a two-time Stanley Cup winner. I think Dean was like that in San Jose. Yep. Um, so you know, I think there are some guys that have been like that forever. The late Pat Quinn I had no problem doing it. I'll tell you that right now. So everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different.
1: It's key to do though, especially in the salary cap world. Yeah, yeah. All right, next question. Jeffrey B again, trading Crosby as unpopular as it be locally, would give them the largest haul to do a proper rebuild. Have you, as you've stated, they've traded away their future ass, assets prospects for previous playoff runs. Pierre, I can't see it. He, he makes a great point. He's absolutely right. You know, it would make the it would get you the biggest haul. It would get it would get you on track. It would set it in motion. But I just and the other thing is you gotta you got to get the okay from Crosby, and I don't see him doing that because I just see Sid as a guy that wants to finish it off, even if he knows he's going on a rebuild because he's so loyal to that city and that team and those fans.
2: And he saw what Mario Lemieux was like. Yep. And then you can't have a better role model than Mario if you're a franchise player Great in the city of Pittsburgh. So, you know, he lived in – people don't even talk about this anymore. When Sidney came in the league, he lived at Mario's house.
1: Yes, I remember you know?
2: that. Um, so <laughs> – Mario's an amazing guy. Sidney's an amazing person. He's a as as I heard today, pure hockey. I thought that was the yeah. best way to describe Sidney Crosby. Pure hockey, um, and a champion human being. He's a champion human being. I don't think he wants to get moved. No. I think he wants to stay there. I want. I think he sees himself as helping the franchise the way Mario helped the franchise. I think that's how he sees himself.
1: Yep. And look, I'm not. You don't have to comment on it here. I'm just giving my opinion. Yeah. And I'm not speculating. I'm not saying this is anywhere close to happening. But I'm just saying if it got to a point where maybe, okay, I need to move a superstar to get this thing jump-started, I'd be looking at 71. That's all I'd say. I'd be looking at Malcolm. I don't know where dead. he is.
2: No. no, the value on him is not going to be very high right now. I, I think you'd have to look at the back end uh, and maybe Tristan Jari, honestly. And, That's
1: a good one. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and I, you know, Jimmy, yeah. I've told you this for a lot of years since I've known you. I don't like to speculate on players getting traded. No, you're just giving us I just, value. I just don't think it's fair. So, um, but I would say there are other players
1: that I would move before I would move 87. That's what I'd say. And 71. Okay. All right, next question. Randy Workman, do you guys think the Oilers should go after a goalie? Would Allen be a good fit? Um, I will say this. I know that they re- – I think Kenny Holland recently – stated how happy he's been with Stuart Skinner. And the word around Edmonton, I know I saw my buddy Mark Spector write about it, is maybe they're veering away from that now. They think that as long as the team stays within the structure that they have found under Knobloch, that their goaltending can get by. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that seems to be where they are right now.
2: I think what they're looking at is what Vegas did with Aiden Hill. Mm -hmm. I just think that's what they're looking at. And so, where they're not the same as Vegas, they don't have the big trees on defense. They're as good as, and Kelly talked about it. The defense in Vegas is elite. And yeah, it all started when they got Alex Petrangelo, which to, that's why I asked him the question, Jimmy. I, I, to this day, I'm still shocked at how they were able to get him away as a captain of a Stanley Cup winning team. You know, I just, anyways, stuff happens. You St. Know. Louis has never
1: recovered, Pierre. They have stuff never recovered. Happens,
2: that's all I'll say. But, I think they're looking more at the Vegas model. I think if they had to upgrade now, it wouldn't be so much about goalies. I think it'd be more about
1: defensemen and bigger depth forwards who can skate. All right. Let's go to the next question. We'll do three more. Alex Evanowski, you got to give ownership groups in Montreal, Chicago, Detroit, and so on credit. It takes commitment commitment to do a full, proper rebuild. 100% yeah. agree. The yeah, I you're right. starting.
2: So hundred percent correct. The best one, those in New York Rangers, they actually had the commitment to send oh, a letter to their season ticket holders. Yeah. Do a rebuild in New York, the way they did it off the charts. And and so Jeff Gordon deserves a huge amount of credit for that. Um, he's a man, the visionary that actually had the courage to want to propose this to Glenn Sather and go forward with it. And so uh, I have a ton of respect for Jeff and what he did there. I really do. And, and I think that's exhibit A of a
1: rebuild. And it's carried over into his new team as well. And I think he, yeah. he's having a great effect there. All right. Next question. A to Z me. What's Allen's value. What would Allen's value be right now on the trade market? In my yeah. opinion, he's been brutal.
2: Woo. Yeah, It's a, it's a draft pick. I don't, I don't think you're, and it's not the level of draft pick you would be expecting if you're, you know, playing fantasy hockey, so to speak. Um, it, it won't be as great. And, and, Look at Jake. Jake's had a lot of good years in the league. He has not had a stellar, let's say, last 15 games. Has Just has not.
1: Has not. What it it yep. what I'm with you. All right, final question here. Mitch Balin just watched Carter. I'm going to kill this name. I apologize. Yakmechik from the Hitmen. Have you heard about him, Pierre? He's got nice hands for defensemen.
2: I have not. So I think we went over this before going to really start focusing in on the draft and the draft eligible players, um, after the trade deadline. And so that's when you can start yeah, bringing exactly. in the draft stuff. I, I don't even try to pretend. I know a lot of people read other people's work and then try to pretend it's their own. We focus on the NHL. And, no, we try to focus on the NHL, the American and league right need. now and college hockey. That's what we're focused
1: on right now. Beautiful. All right, Pierre. Listen, and thanks to everyone for their questions there. Look forward to tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, speaking of a team that was prominent in our conversation today, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pierre, we've got a, uh, a Penguins guest lined up for tomorrow, don't we?
2: The Old two-niner, Phil Bork.
1: Phil Can't Bork. wait to have well, Phil on
2: tomorrow. Um, what a gentleman, just an awesome guy. I had the privilege of working with Phil in Pittsburgh, and we picked him up in Ottawa when I was there, my first time around in Ottawa. And um champion guy, two-time Stanley Cup champion, awesome, awesome hockey player, uh, tough as nails, tough as nails. <laughs> um, and he just does such a great job in the Pittsburgh community right now with the media and all the charitable things he does. He, he's a really special guy. And, you know, Jimmy, I told him, I, I talked to him this morning. I said, Phil, would you join us? He goes, I got to check my schedule. We have a game tomorrow. But if I don't have anything going, I definitely will. And so he, right away, like That's three great. minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. I got a text back saying I'd love to come on. So that's awesome. Yeah. Really, really excited about that. What do we have on Friday, Jimmy?
1: Oh, Friday. We have a, now it may be not that fans know as much, but people in the hockey world know GMs, management, scouts, hockey ops, people, even media know him. And he is a legend. And that's Billy O'Flaherty used to coach Clarkson. He's, he's been an NHL scout for a long, long time. And he, Pierre, as I, we uh, both agreed off the air is a true character he, he brightens the room anytime time he walks in it, uh, and he knows the game inside out, and he knows everybody. He's like, he's like a mayor when he's in the press box. So uh, so excited to trade stories and talk hockey with Billy O'Flaherty, who will be joining us Friday for the on-campus Friday segment uh, of the eye test.
2: So I just want to – when Jimmy and I were thinking about putting this show together – The one thing I told him, I said, we have to explore the folklore of the game. I think it's really important. I think it's been overlooked, and I don't think enough stories are shared, and we got to find guests that can do that. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you right now.
1: (laughs) He defines all of that. Coach
2: O'Flaherty. Coach O'Flaherty, he's all of that. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal storyteller. They're all true. Um, He can't tell them exactly the way I think he would if he was sitting in an establishment, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But he is he is just an awesome – he's a hockey lifer. And yeah. some of the – like Dave Taylor played for Billy O'Flaherty. You know, I can go down – Dave Fretz, there's so many great players. Colin Patterson, you look at all the great players that have played at Clarkson and especially for Billy. Um, just amazing. He's just an awesome character of the game. He really is.
1: He is. He is. I'm really looking forward to that. And as I told you, Pierre, I actually – he was one of the first people I met covering – the Bruins way back in 2001-02 season and then he he introduced me to Kevin Stevens another guy you know well obviously so the hockey world is small and it's better when it has people like Billy O'Flaherty and we're looking forward to having him on the show but before we get to him some great penguins insight with Phil Bork tomorrow thank you to our production crew and oh by the way we uh we will have it out there shortly i don't even know if uh, can we can we pop it up our little promo for the The Hurley Show on March 14th. There you go. Look at that beauty. Top of the morning to you. We got the pot of gold there. Bruins versus Canadians live pregame March 14th at 4 p.m. at Hurley's Irish Pub, 1225 Crescent Street, downtown Montreal, right near the Bell Center. If you're going to the game, come on up. And if you're getting ready, getting into the St. Paddy's feeling and then spirit, join us there. We're working on getting some good live guests, but we're looking forward to just, mingling with you people, maybe potentially meeting some of the people that join us here in the comment section. I can't wait to meet you in person. If you are around the Montreal area then, and thanks to Rod Appleby and JC Corno for putting us together with Hurley's uh, up there in Montreal. Pierre, it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. Oh, it is. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's been a lot of nights in Hurley's. It's all good. For people that don't know, there's been trades and signings and lots of things (laughs) consummated. In Hurley, trust me, yes, happened. Yes, happened. <laughs> good stuff. Well, we'll uh, we'll consummate and have a great time there. It'll, it's, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Rod, the uh, one of the owners, is a great guy. You'll get to meet him as well. Pierre, you know him, but some of our listeners can meet him as well. So, looking forward to that. March 14th, 4 p.m. at Hurley's, 1225 Crescent Street. But we got plenty of shows until then. So, let's start it off tomorrow with Phil Bork here in the eye test on a sick podcast network. We'll talk to you then.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google
2: play and Apple Podcasts.